Praise team. Uh, what a name. Amen. The name of Jesus. And at that name, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My suggestion is that you do that now, though, all right? That you profess him as your Lord and Savior today. Hey, got a question for you. Everybody, are you with me? Everybody good? How many of y'all like to go to parties? Raise your hand if you like to go to parties. If there's food at them, do you like to go to them? There you go. That's the kicker right there. Yeah. You know, there, there's always just an, a, a great anticipation when you're given an invitation to go to a party. You're wondering who's going to be there, what kind of food they're going to have, are you going to have a good time? I can remember the, the, really the first party I was invited to. I was just a little kid, lived in Midland, Texas, so I, I was just a little elementary age kid. Uh, one of my buddies was having a birthday party, and it was in the summertime. And I mean, David, I was so excited. I carried that invitation around with me for about a week. And the day of the party, man, I was ready at noon. The party didn't start until 6 o'clock, all right? And I can remember, man, it was years, years ago, about 100 years ago, I was just sitting on the couch with that invitation with my dog, Pooty, little poodle, my dog, Pooty. And uh, my, my sister would walk through the house and she said, you're so stupid. I said, you're so stupid. The party's not for five more hours. You're just so stupid. But I was so excited about going to that party. And so today, I want to talk to you about a party that you've been invited to, all right? It's really the, the parable of the Great Supper, and it's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 15, but you know what? I've got to tell you what's happening in verses 1 through 14 for verse 15 through 24 to make sense. Does that make sense? Yes. So are you still with me? Yes. All right. So in verse number 1 of Luke, chapter 14, Jesus is invited to eat lunch or dinner with a particular Pharisee. You, you know the word Pharisee, all right? Uh, religious law guy, and he had people over at his house. He invited Jesus, and it happened to be on the Sabbath day. And they had all these rules and regulations of what you could do or couldn't do on the Sabbath day. And the Bible said that everyone's eyes were on Jesus. So it was kind of like a trap. They set Jesus up uh, wanting to find some fault against him on the Sabbath day. And I don't know if they set this deal up or not, but there was a man there who had a disease called dropsy. And Jesus saw this man. And of course, Jesus' heart was filled with compassion, and so he healed the man. The problem was, it was on the Sabbath day. He's in the house of a Pharisee with a lot of other Pharisees, and they're all watching Jesus to find fault or bring an accusation against him. And Jesus knew all that. And so Jesus just turned the tables on him and said, hey, which one of you having an ox or a donkey on the Sabbath day, you find that ox or donkey in a pit? How many of you wouldn't just pull your ox or donkey out? All of them would, of course. But they didn't say a word. They just kept their mouth shut. And then Jesus found another opportunity to teach them a lesson because he was watching them. Hey, you know, that, that kind of, oh man, that just kind of gets me because Jesus is watching us, right? Jesus knows, you know, what our motive is and being here, what we're thinking about right now. I mean, he's here, all right? And so he watched these people come in. And, and Jesus said, you know, I've, I've seen you come in and, and here's what most of you are doing. Most of you are coming in and you're coming down to the very front to sit in the seat of honor, because you want to be at the front. 
Now, the only way I can relate this to us is if we ever go to a wedding reception, how many of y'all try to figure out, okay, which table is going to get to the food first? (laughs) And you sit at that table, all right? So that's what the correlation here is. Jesus said, you know what? That, that, That is really a dumb thing to do because the host may come down to you if you sit at the front and said, this seat is not for you. I'm going to take you to the back. I'm going to take you to the place of dishonor because there was someone more honorable than you that gets to sit where you're, where you're seated. So Jesus said, don't do that. When you come into a feast or a party, you sit at the back. You sit in the lowly place, and then by chance the host may come to you and say, hey, what are you doing back here? You need to be promoted to a better seat and then bring you up to the front seat. Jesus wasn't done. Because he turned to the host of this party and said, you know, most of the time people have parties and they invite friends and, and, and neighbors and, and relatives and people who are wealthy. And the reason they have them on the invitation list is because they know if I invite these people over to my house, they're going to reciprocate and invite me to their house. Are you with me? And so the only, reason, the only reason I'm inviting them is because, you know what, they have a big house, and they, I know when they put on a party, they have good food. And so if I invite them, they're going to invite me back. Jesus said, don't do that. In fact, he says this in verse 13, and I'm going to read it. He says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's really not the right verse. It's verse number 13. But when you give a feast, that's a good verse to read, though, isn't it? Let me recover. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Don't invite people who can invite you back. You invite people who are the outcasts of society. They can't invite you back. The reason being, verse number 14, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Don't worry about being repaid by them. God's going to repay you. At the resurrection, the resurrection of the just, God's going to bless you. And that's what you need to be concerned at. Now, Jesus is saying all of this at a Pharisee's house at dinner time on the Sabbath day, and all these Pharisees are around the table. In verse 15, one of them responded to what Jesus just said, and here's what he said. Now, when one of these who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. In other words, what he was saying is this, Blessed are the likes of us. Those seated around this table, those who are the chosen ones of God, blessed are us who will eat in the kingdom of God. Amen. Pass the potatoes. In reality, that's what he is saying. And Jesus could not pass up an opportunity to peel away a layer of a self-righteous heart. Because this is what he said, beginning in verse number 16. A certain man gave a great supper, and he invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for everything is ready. Come on to the party. 
But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I asked you to have me excused. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. She laid down the law to that buddy. I mean. So that servant came and reported all these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry. Everybody say angry. angry. He, was, he was plenty upset because these people had already accepted invitation number one. And now they're not showing up. So he said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, the same group of people he already talked about in verse number 13. And the servant did that, and he came back and said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and there is still room at the table. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were initially invited, shall taste of my supper. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak this word into our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and, and, and conform us into the people that you've called us to be. I pray that we would accept your invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, the message that Jesus is driving home in this parable is... That the kingdom of God is not some far-off event, and it's not just for a few of God's chosen favorite. Through Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is right here, and it's right now. The kingdom of God is open for business. Okay? You hear that? God's kingdom is open for business. The feast that God has prepared and is calling all people to is right now. God is saying, come to my party and bring somebody with you. Okay? Come to my party and bring some people with you. Now, in verses 16 through 17 here, we find the, the three main people or people groups that are involved in this parable that Jesus is talking about. There is a certain man who was the rich man, who was the host of this party. And then there were the groups of people, the guests that he invited. And then finally, there is the servant. And the servant is the connection point between the host and the invited guest. What we're going to do this morning as we examine this parable is look at these three people or three groups of people and see where we fit in. The first is the gracious host. We read about him in verse 16. Jesus said, Jesus told this parable, a certain man, and there he is, the host, a certain man gave a great supper and he invited many people. Now, in New Testament times, when a banquet like this was given, there were two sets of invitations that were sent out. The first set of invitations sent out came about two weeks before the actual banquet or the party. And the servant would take the written invitation to each guest's house, and on behalf of the host, the servant would invite that guest to a party that was coming up at the host's house. 
So he would bring this invitation to you, knock on your door, you would open the door, he would present the invitation, it would have the day of the event on it, but not the specific time. And you would look at the invitation and you would acknowledge either, yes, I will attend, or no, sorry, I can't attend. And if you accepted that first invitation, then on the day of the party, when everything was ready, the servant would come back to your house, knock on your door and say, the party's ready. Come and get it. Now you had already accepted invitation number one. And on the day of the party, invitation number two came, and you would go and party with the host. It says in verse 17, and so he sent the servant on the day of the party at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. And let me tell you, this was a gracious host. He had opened up his home for this great occasion. He spared no expense. He bought the best food. He had it all prepared. All the party favors were there. Everything was ready. And it was going to be a great party. All right? Are you with me? Yes. Now, all of Jesus' listeners would have immediately understood that this great man who put on this great feast in Jesus' parable was none other than God himself. Okay. This great man represents God. And I would say to you, church, God wants a relationship with us, with all of us. And he has invited us into that relationship. And God has made it possible by taking care of everything. And I, I need to remind you of the cost that this preparation has cost God. It cost God his son. To invite us to his party, to his banquet, it costs God his son. And it costs Jesus his life. Because on Calvary's cross, Jesus gave his life's blood to save us from our sins. And he did it so that that banquet could be made ready. And that we could come and enjoy the feast of God. Our gracious God wants his kingdom. He wants his heaven to be filled with people. Do you get that? It's important. God wants heaven filled with people. So the main character, this gracious host, is none other than our great, who? God. Now, the second group of people are the invited guests. And really, there are two sets. Y'all love the way I count to two, don't you? There are two sets of invited guests to this party. The first are those who carelessly refuse to attend. Now that everything is ready, the expectation is those who had initially accepted the first invitation would drop whatever they're doing and come to the party the day of the party. But no. The servant went back out and said, everything is ready. Come to the party. In verse 18 it says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. Something unthinkable happens. When the servant came back to call these guests to the banquet, they all, all of them began to make excuses. In fact, 
they all had excuses. Every single one of them. Three of them are listed, but all of the invited guests made excuses for not attending the banquet. Now, remember, they had already told the host that they would attend. And now they have reasons why they can't come. And can I just tell you, they're flimsy excuses. Flimsy excuses. For example, excuse number one, verse 18. The first one said, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. Look at me. That's absolutely ridiculous. Okay? No Middle Eastern person would ever, ever buy a field without first going and inspecting that field. Totally unheard of. I mean, they would have gone to check the boundaries. They would have, che they would have checked the topography. They would have had soil samples done. They would have counted the rocks that were in the field. So this is a flimsy excuse. Excuse number two, verse 19. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Also, this is a ridiculous excuse. Again, the Middle Eastern custom was that if you were going to buy a pair of oxen, you would actually go and watch that team of oxen work. Or you would work them yourself to make sure you were getting what you paid for. I mean, doesn't it kind of make sense that if you're going to buy a car, you go and test drive the car? How many of you have bought a car without test driving it first? How many of you have ever bought a car online? I've done it twice. The first time it turned out good. The second time it didn't turn out so good. My dad did it and made a horrible mistake. Are you with me? And, and it just taught me, again, the lesson. You know what? If you're going to spend good money on something, you want to make sure it works, right? Yeah. So this is a flimsy excuse. Now, the last excuse seems a little more understandable, at least to us with 21st century mindset. Still another said in verse 20, I have married a wife. <laughs> Why do we laugh at that? And I can't come. There you go. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for saying what we're all thinking there, okay? Now, I don't know what your impression is of this, but, but the impression is, you know what, this guy just got married. He's on his honeymoon, and he doesn't want to break the, the rhythm of the honeymoon, so he's saying no. But that's probably not what's going on here. Maybe he is freshly married, but, but commentators think that the guy was married when he received the first invitation. And he's just decided, you know, it, it ain't worth it. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he was thinking or not. But it's still just a flimsy excuse. You know what the point is? Are you with me here? The point is this. When it comes to the eternal destiny of your soul, there is no good excuse. I'm going to drive that home to you today. Don't let anything keep you from coming to God for the salvation of your soul. There is not a good enough excuse to keep you out of heaven and put you in hell. And let me tell you, the devil is going to give you plenty of excuses why you don't need Christianity in your life. 
But none of those are valid excuses. Now, to, to turn the table a little bit here, I want you to understand that the gospel invites each one of us to come to God in salvation. That's what it's all about. It's an invitation. That's why here at Kavanaugh Church, on Sunday mornings, we still give invitations. Why? Because that's what it is. God is inviting you into a relationship with Him. And the only way you can have that relationship with God is through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. You must accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's God's invitation. And so every Sunday, we give that public invitation for you to have a relationship with God, for you to come to Jesus in faith. It is an invitation, and it requires... An answer. It requires a response from you. Sometimes people grow up thinking, well, I was, I was born into this Christian thing. My parents were Christians. I, I was brought to church since I was just a little kid. And I'm a pretty good person. Morally, I tried to do the right thing. You know what? I think I'm good enough to go to heaven. No, you're not. And that's not the way it works. There is an invitation. And you must accept that invitation. And if you don't accept it, if you don't do anything with it, you've rejected it. Okay, are you with me? Because you must answer the invitation. So these people, all of them, carelessly refused to attend. But there's another group of people that the host invited. Those who are genuinely unworthy to attend were invited. Look at verse 21. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house was pretty upset about it. He was angry. Now everyone who heard this story knew that to refuse the second invitation from the host was an outright insult to the host. So here's what the host says to his servant. Verse 21, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Again, four groups of people Jesus has already identified in verse number 13. The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. They were the outcasts. Now, in a scenario like this, with this banquet going on, Jesus listed the people who would be on the back porch of this house. They are the homeless people of this village or this city. And they would know that a party is going on. So they would go hang out on the back porch or maybe in the alley, just hoping that when the supper was over with and the servants were carrying out the garbage, they might just get something free to eat. None of these people that Jesus listed would have ever had the conscious thought, you know what, one day I might be sitting at that table. You know what, that host may invite me to come in and I get to sit at the table and eat that feast off of good china. They would have never thought that because they were the outcast. Now, the point that Jesus is making is this. Salvation, God's salvation is not for those who presume they are worthy 
to receive God's salvation because of their good works. No, it is for those of us who are certain that we are unworthy to even come into the presence of an almighty God. Because you know what? We're all sinners. We're all unworthy. Whether you know it or not, and I hate to bust your bubble, but let me tell you, you're unworthy. And so am I. You, You know what this is? You know what we're talking about here? The unbelievable grace of God. It's God's grace that the outcast of society could be invited, that we could be partakers of God's feast, that we could be accepted into God's family, that we could spend eternity in heaven. Who would have thunk it? Are you with me? Now, let me try to draw a string around this and, and make it into something that, that you can understand. Let's, let's say there's a dad out here, and his daughter, his middle daughter, is about to get married. <laughs> My middle daughter's going to get married, all right? She's announced her invitation. Lord, have mercy. All of the money that I've been saving since the last wedding is about to go... Can I just talk to you all about something? Can I, can, I, can I unload a burden that's on my heart right now? You, t- you tell me, what happened in our society? What's happened in our world today? Honestly, let's go back to the good old days when if you did have a wedding, I mean, all you had was cake and punch and I mean, if you, if you were really going all out, nuts. <laughs> and then maybe those little mints. What, what is wrong with that? It's just not accepted in today's. So here's his father, and his daughter's getting married, and he sends out hundreds of invitations. They, they have a, one of these off-site wedding places that are absolutely ridiculous. You know why people are, you know why people are building these things? Because it's a money-making deal. Y'all feel the vomit that I'm just pouring out of my soul right now? So he, he spends all this money. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Spend all this money to rent this facility and, and, and bring all of this food in. They have all of these treats and a donut bar over here, a donut wall over here, and taco bar over here and a pizza and a coffee. I mean, it's all there. It's a racket. It's a racket. <laughs> I tell you, I'm in the wrong business. You know, because when I first started, preachers get $25 to do a wedding. You still get $25 to do a wedding. All these other people are making a lot of money. Anyway. And all of the hundreds of people that daddy invited to his daughter's wedding, all of them made an excuse. Nobody shows up for this reception. Can you imagine the embarrassment? Nobody's there to celebrate. And so, you know, here's something that is even more unimaginable than that. That that father would say to to some of the people who who are there who who are helping out, just go out into the streets and find people and bring them in here. Go find a bunch of homeless people who are poor and lame and blind. Go find a bunch of street people 
and bring them in here so that this house will be full. Now, guys, we can't imagine that, but that is exactly what Jesus is describing in his parable. And that is exactly what God is declaring in the world today. The religious elite refused God's invitation for salvation. So what does God do? He opens up salvation for everyone. The unworthy are invited. And so the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there is still room. So even after the the homeless people and the outcasts are invited, there is still room. And now here's what the master does. Don't miss this. you got to get this. He says to the servant, okay, go out on the interstate and go out on the country lanes in the country, and you compel people to come in. You go get people who are, get this, far away. Are you with me? Far away. And that's what the verse says, verse 23. The master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges. And what? Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. There again, you see the heart of this gracious host. He wants his house full, even with people who are far, far, far away from God. Now, there's a word in here that, that's it's kind of bugged me for the last week as I've been studying this. It's that word compel. Go compel them to come in. Newer translations use the word make them. Make them come in. Why? Why did he say that? Why did he say compel them? Now, I don't know that I have the, the complete answer, but, but I've come up with this. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, it was to overcome their feelings of unworthiness. I'm not not worthy to be in his house. I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy to be invited. No, the master said, you compel them. They knew they didn't deserve to come in. And and maybe, just maybe, you're here today and you don't think you're good enough to be a part of God's family. You don't feel worthy. And if that is the way you feel, let me stop right here and compel you, urge you, come on in, man. Because here's the deal. (laughs) You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. But Jesus Christ is worthy. He is worthy. God's heart is that none perish, but that all come to repentance. God's heart is for heaven to be full, and that's what he's after. You know what? There's another person in this story that i got to hit on, and that is the obedient servant. Don't ever overlook the role of the servant in this story because the servant is the connection point between the host and the invited guest. Notice that this servant had a duty. Very quickly, verse 17 The host sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come. And then later on, servant, go out and tell them to come. Verse 21, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. Verse 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in. And as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian... You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Understand that you, 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 
You are the connection point between God and other people that he wants into heaven. You are that connection point. That's your role. That, that, that is your job. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about God said you are the salt of the world. You're, you're the light of the world. We are salt in a corrupt society. We are light in a dark world. You are God's connection point. But this servant also had a role of urgency. In verse 21, the master told him, go out quickly. Verse 23 Go out to the roads and compel them or make them come in so that my house may be full. Make them come in. It it doesn't mean force them to come in. It means plead with them to come in. It's more like the servant was saying, no, dude, I'm serious. You're invited. God really wants you. The master really wants you. Jesus died for you. And that is the urgency that we are to have in our heart. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Jesus died for all of us, and therefore all died. It is the love of Christ compelling us to go into a dark world with lost people and compel them to come to Jesus Christ. Are you with me? The heart of the master of this parable is that his house be full. That was his heart. He wanted his house full, full of people. The heart of God is that heaven be full. And so the invitation is for all. Now, I'm about to shut up. I lobbed it up for you. Amen. About about to shut this baby down. We're coming to a fast halt here. I'm putting on the brakes. You with me? Look at verse 24. Jesus said, For I say to you that none of those men previously invited. Remember those guys that made excuses? One of them them had another place to go. Another one had something else to do. Possessions. Another one had someone else, another person he would rather be with. None of these men who were invited shall even taste of my supper. Wow. Jesus let them have it, didn't he? Jesus told them a thing or two. Remember verse verse number 15? They thought that they would feast at God's banquet table because of who they were. I'll be there because of who I am. No. No. They had been invited, but they rejected the invitation. The invitation came through Jesus Christ, but they didn't accept him. They said no. And look at me. When you tell God no, when you say no to Jesus, you are rejecting God's invitation for salvation and for eternal life. And so I'm shutting it down with these two questions. Number one, question one. Are you going to be at God's banquet? Are you going to... Well, I sure hope so, preacher. No, dude. Don't leave it to that. Are you going to... I wished I could know. Well, you can know. The invitation is presented. Well, nobody ever invited me. You can't use that excuse because we're inviting you today. The invitation is laid out. You can accept Jesus today. 
You can be born again today. God can forgive you of all your sins today. Your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life today. You can be forgiven today, set free today, have heaven as your home today. The invitation is there. It's laid out for you. You either accept it or reject it. Are you going to be at God's banquet? Second question is, look here, second question. Who are you bringing with you? Who are you bringing with you? Because if you've accepted that, second, that first invitation I just talked about, and you're going to the banquet, now you become the servant. And you bring others with you. Every one of us knows someone who needs Jesus. And the only way they're going to get to heaven is if we help them along and we share the invitation. Heavenly Father,